Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Can We Still Be Friends, the podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. This month sees Australian director George Miller return to the series that made him famous with the release of Mad Max Fury Road. So for this episode, we're watching his debut feature, 1979's Mad Max, starring up-and-coming star Mel Gibson. It's been years since I've seen this movie, and Ryan has never seen it. So this seemed like the perfect opportunity to discuss it. Mad Max is revered as a masterpiece of 70s action cinema. It was praised for its impressive visuals and special effects, all made on a shoestring budget, about $650,000, and it went on to make an estimated $100 million worldwide. It has an 88 on Rotten Tomatoes and was listed among the best movies ever by the New York Times. Its recent sequel, Mad Max Fury Road, is getting rave reviews, with a few outlets calling it the best movie of the year so far. But 36 years on, how does the original Mad Max hold up? Is it still the rocker, the roller, the out-of-controller? By the way, that's a good thing. Or have its impressive special effects lost their appeal and drunkenly groped a police officer recently? Keep listening. So the goose bought it. But that's the way he always came at the world. Max, he'd be the first to admit it was long overdue. All right, I'll tell you how it is. You're a winner, Max. You're on the top shelf. And I'm not going to lose you because of some crazy notion about quitting. They say people don't believe in heroes anymore. Well, damn them. You and me, Max. Heroes! Do you really expect me to go for that crap? That was a clip from the movie we're discussing in this episode, Mad Max. Max is getting a pep talk from his boss, Fifi. Uh, actually, his character's name. Fifi? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, as to why it's important for him to stay on the police force. So, Nate, you've seen this movie before. Yes. Years ago. Long time ago. I've never seen it. Yeah. So this is my first time, and that's probably uh, it's probably too long. I probably should have seen it before this. Well, I mean, but this isn't necessarily, I don't feel like it's your, maybe my your thing. cup of tea. I don't know. Yeah. I don't hear you talking about action movies all that much as being yeah. something that you're, you know, rearing to go see every summer. But or I like that. do want to see those movies that everybody, you know, like... Right. This is one of those movies. It's at this point pretty much a classic of the genre or just of cinema itself, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I probably saw it about eight years ago and okay. I saw it because it was one of those movies I felt like I needed to see and it was at the library and I picked it up and watched it. Yeah. Not knowing anything about it other than the fact that Mel Gibson was in it and there was cars. <laughs> and almost unrecognizable Mel Gibson. Yeah. He looks so different. Really? Yeah. He really does. Yeah. yeah. So you've got, that's pretty much your story for the first time you saw it was you thought you should watch it. It was there to be watched and you watched it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I didn't know what I was getting into or that it didn't, or it wasn't what I was in the mood for that day, but I really didn't care for it that much when I saw it the mm -hmm. first time eight years ago. So okay. because of that, I never went on to watch Road Warrior or Beyond Thunderdome. I kind of just yeah. cut it off there. Sure. Um, and there were things I could see in it uh -huh. that I knew why other people probably appreciated it. Yeah. 
Um, but for, for me at that time, it, it, I remember actually having a hard time, which is crazy because it's supposed to be such a full throttle action movie. I just remember yeah. at the time even having a hard time paying Being attention. Kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's talk about our preliminary ratings. We do the five star letterboxed, mm-hmm. uh, rating system, which I suggest anybody who's listening. Um, if you have a letterboxed account or if you're looking for a place, even just to keep track of the movies that you're watching, yeah. um, it's a fun place to go and do that letterboxd.com. Mm-hmm. And we both have accounts and just search our names and you'll be able to follow us and see what movies we're watching. Yeah. So do you want to, do you want to go first this time? Sure. I, I, can, I, I can go first. I'm curious because I told you just now about my yeah. first experience. This and is, this is first my first experience. experience. Yeah. But you are coming at it you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of the hype going on in general around us right now with Mad Max Fury Yeah, Road. yeah. Um, there's a lot of hype. Like, people really yes. love this movie. I'll say, I was, I, I thought the trailer was pretty cool looking. Yeah. When I first saw it, which was months ago. Yeah. Um, I did not expect it to get the kind of rave reviews that we're seeing people, pouring yeah. in. Yeah, and so for that reason, I, I really want to see it. I, I want to, yeah. I mean, I'm very intrigued. That being said, um, I feel like I'm I'm my first viewing may have been like your first viewing, and I'm I just watched this movie like okay I ended the movie and came over here. You haven't had that, so I haven't had a lot of time to process it. But I'm telling I'm gonna say uh, my feelings right now is two and a half. Okay, (laughs) that's your feel. Okay, and we're gonna keep it at that because we're gonna go into exactly why later on. Yeah. Um, I'll share my viewing. This is my second viewing. Mm-hmm. I watched it last night, so I had a little bit more time to think about it. I've reflected a little bit more on it. Um, and it's funny. I um, kind of like Pitch Perfect. I'm kind of in between again. Yeah. I feel like I can't seem to settle on things lately, but uh-huh. I, I'm actually in between a two and a half and a three. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am. I am. I, I will say for the sake of maybe we just need to argue more. I, I think at this point I'm pretty solid on a three. Okay. <laughs> We're going to argue a half star, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, so that I'm, I'm, I'm giving Mad Max, the, the original uh, three stars. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which by the way is more than I had it uh, for my first viewing. Oh, where I it? just flat out didn't like what it. What did you have it before? I don't even know if I rated it in Letterboxd because when I set up my Letterboxd account, you know there are those movies that you feel like you've seen so long ago you can't reasonably put yeah. a qualitative measure on how you really feel about it. Yeah. But I, I just remember my feeling as I watched it that those that few years ago, I'm, I mean, I just did not like it. It was probably like a two-star rating. Hmm. I feel like I should be embarrassed by a two and a half star yeah. rating we, like we, i'm not just being difficult like this movie is really popular and people love it so i'm gonna hate it we're kind just, of in the, we are definitely in a minority on this yeah like. and that's what i so i i almost wish we had a, a mad max fan here to talk us through it um, well we did have um one of our listeners yeah uh steven yep um who actually had also just watched mad max for the first time and did have a different reaction to it correct very different (laughs) he said uh uh, it's surreal and i've never seen a movie benefit so much from such a tiny budget i was expecting something like the video game fallout nothing but lawless ruin but this is a much more gradual decay it's hard not to love it though and then he added that ice cream scene yes that's a crazy scene (laughs) Yeah, effective too. Yeah. Very effective. And um, so, yeah, maybe we should have Stephen on. I feel like some of this episode, though, is going to be me sort of 
sorting through it? Sorting through it and also sort of maybe defending it a little bit more to you, I guess, as to what I really saw this time that I didn't see last time. This is not an attacking two and a half. This is a, this was not for me two and a half. Mm -hmm. So I'm totally open to your take and seeing if there's something like that you saw that I have overlooked or missed or something. And it doesn't seem like you're being reactionary either. Like you were, pr- you were going into this with an open mind, almost oh, yeah. wanting to like it. Oh, you know? absolutely. <laughs> I was hoping I would. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are your initial thoughts? Like what, what stands out to you about this movie, positive or negative? Well, okay. I think to state the obvious, Mad Max, this is a genre picture. Yes. Unashamedly a genre picture. Yeah. What genre? It, it's a low budget midnight road pick. I mean, that's really I mean, it's 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 an action movie, yes, but even that whole sort of like the the biker movies and stuff yeah. like that, a lot of that was in itself sort of an updated, industrialized version of the Western. Mm. Um, as Westerns were kind of going out of fashion. And so you kind of have all of that Western stuff going on in Mad Max. Yeah. The the sort of moral plays with the lone gunslinger. Right. The man with the code and the motive. Um, and this time, just the horses are just souped up hot rods, you know, <laughs> yeah. which actually become weapons and characters in themselves. Yeah. Um, so within that very narrow genre framework, basically calling this a type of Western a type of, you know, road action movie, B-movie practically. Mm-hmm. Mad Max is a really good movie, <laughs> you know, within that. There's nothing wrong with a good genre pick, but I think as far as genres go, whether we're talking about, this is whether we're talking about movies or books or music, they're made to kind of fill an appetite. And, yeah. And if you're not hungry for it, you're going to have a bad taste in your mouth. That's a good point. It, well, that's that's you. You said a phrase that sounds oxymoronic to me. That a, a good B movie, like what makes for a good B movie? I just feel like in my head that that doesn't exist. Like a B like movie a by its nature is not is, a good movie, right? And I know people can enjoy a not a good movie for it's not a goodness, but I, I've, I've said it before. I just I can't hang with that. I f- well, this could start I, to become sort of a rehash of a lot I know, of what we I talked about in Gremlins. That. So I want I want to see why I, I don't or even Grindhouse. I, don't I mean, think Mad Max is only. I don't think it's so bad. It's good because it's no, not like that. No, I wouldn't say that either. I just so I think it's a, what am I, I think missing? it's legitimately. Well, here's the thing: is I remember when we did our Hook episode, one of the things that you labeled Hook as was you said it's a warts and all kids movie. And mm. I feel like Mad Max is for lack, I'm just going to steal your phrase, it's a warts and all action car movie. Like nothing more, nothing less. The problem for me, and why I have to just give it a three-star rating, is because I like more in movies. Like yeah. I just demand more, I guess. I mean, that, that sounds like I'm being super pretentious, I know. I, but I get what you're saying, but yes, it does. Like there is so much that I could praise about this movie. Yeah. And I think we should, I and we will. It. I want to hear it. Um, but... Here's here's the thing. Going back to the idea of this kind of just being sort of like a, a type of Western, which a lot of American audiences did interpret it that way and critics interpreted it that That's way. That's fine. Um, if Mad Max were a straight up Western, it would be a mediocre Western at best, which is another reason why I'm just kind of mixed on the film as a whole. Yeah. The, what it does really well and why I think it's such a it's 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 such an influential film is the action, which you can tell is really what George Miller cares about yeah. is the action. You can almost sense in this movie that every other piece of it is almost like an obligation he has to get through. Yeah. The whole Jesse character, the girl, is just like 
yeah. an obligatory, I gotta have some kind of motive thrown in here. Yeah. Uh, you well, know, in his kid. In the kid who was sometimes there, sometimes not. Do they not really just care put about him in this the back kid of the then? Van. <laughs> yeah. He's also just gone for a while. Right. Like, like, and then he's gone and they're like, wow. Right. Like, it's like, wait, who? Why didn't you care where the baby was when they were like in the woods in that pastoral scene yeah. of them like yeah. having a picnic? The baby's not there, but yeah. there's no babysitter. Right. Where's the baby? Well, that woman, May, is around. There are a lot of, yeah. The we, plot's we'll, very we'll talk flimsy. More about, yeah. We'll talk more about just like, it was his first feature length movie. He did not know how to tell a story. Right. At all. The storytelling in this movie is is abysmal. Really weak. Almost non-existent. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of supporters and people who really defend this movie are going to say, well, that That's who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, but, but then again, it's like, are those the same people? And maybe they are. But I feel like a lot of people would defend Mad Max and not be as championing of something like fast and the furious right yeah fast and it's and like the furious is like right low fast brow, and the but... furious is still kind of like today's car genre pick you know yeah, okay i thought you were gonna say mad max and I was no, like, no, no 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 i wouldn't go that far because i would definitely still take mad max over fast and the furious because mad max kind of has that whole post-apocalyptic thing going for it kind of i mean it does definitely but it's like they don't. They don't like explain much in the movie. No, not at all. I mean, you have no idea. It all says it's just a few years later. Yeah, a few years from now. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't want a movie that holds my hand. But like, this movie doesn't say anything. But I feel like it was trying to say something. What do you because, think it was trying to say? Well, I mean, it was on the heels of some energy crises and some gas shortages and things, and. Uh, I, I read that George Miller thought like he saw the lengths people would go to to keep their cars running just in the relatively limited crisis that he had experienced. Mm -hmm. So he imagined, oh, what would the world be like if there was no gas? It's a very minor like convenience to the plot for why people are certain places. Oh, they're down at the beach looking for gas. Right. Is one of the lines. Uh, okay, wait. <laughs> yes. Why are people storing their gas at the beach? But thank you for the reminder that gas is a thing that people are upset about or And I guess whatever. I'll I guess I would say that those are kind of those B movie elements, which legitimately are not good. Like they're not good, but it's still like a movie that the action with a low budget is done so well. It doesn't feel like a B movie in those no. times, in yeah. those scenes. Though that movie feels like a grade A action yeah. movie. Like just the the you could put it right up against some of the most expensive stuff Bruckheimer puts out. No, it it is very impressive. Those car crashes, like where that one van gets hit and it just like almost gets knocked in half. Yes, yeah. Like that whole opening sequence mm -hmm. with the Night Rider. Yeah. And I remember watching it the first time and saying you. This scene is awesome. If the movie can stick with this, like this is going to be a hell of a ride. And and yeah. it it does sort of reach those heights again later on in in spots. Yeah. Um and I agree. it's not like that's the best action and it just sort of There's nothing else after you know, that. Yeah. yeah. No, it it is very good. That opening is incredible. Ha, 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 ha. 
some like convenience based uh, adding of people, like the guy with the trailer who's trying to turn around and his car breaks down halfway right. through the turn, and right. the kid wandering into the street, and just like all this stuff to be like, I don't know what I don't know what he was doing. I think it's just supposed to heightening be the yeah, heightening and and Look throwing in civilians. some attention, intentionally taboo things like a like a the threatening of a little toddler. And, yeah, and I think it's just supposed to be like just striking that match right when the yeah. movie starts. Um, but and it I think in that add anything those scenes like the kids in the street and everything. Right. I mean, I w- I thought. I mean, so, it's I not guess. like Max has to make a choice about the kid, and we're like, oh yeah, he does care about kids. Oh, because he has his own kid. It doesn't, doesn't do anything for the character. Wanders. No. It doesn't do anything for anything except for that moment where the kid almost gets hit. To me, that's annoying. In that, it's just it's a cheap tactic that doesn't it doesn't serve a purpose other than to be like, oh, uh, uh oh. I guess it just happens so quick. I don't know that I really thought yeah. about it too much. I mean. Were you offended by that? Uh, offended how? Because the kid, or was it more just because that I, doesn't heighten the scene at all and I don't care for it, and maybe why did they do that? Maybe and, it's a distancing that I can tell, like, for in a movie like this, that I'm that I, I, I'm very aware that there's no stakes in anything. Right. But I had no fear for the kid. Like, if they had totally slaughtered that kid, I would have been like, that was... Unnecessary. Unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. But that it was just a near miss... It doesn't offend me that they put a child at danger. It just offends me as from an art standpoint that it was just so weak. It doesn't even offend me. It just bugs me. Right. Okay. That I mean, why why not like just have an elderly person uh with a walker all of a sudden lose their glasses and start fumbling in the middle of the street for them? Like it could have been anything. Yeah. It's just I think this that's, random yeah, it totally could it's have. It's just this yeah. random here, feel something. Right. He could have done something with that yeah. to advance the character. Or the, the guy in the car could have like swerved to go for the kid. And Max could have like hit him at the car. So we see right away the, the, the evil that these people are and the sacrifice Max is willing to do. But it was just nothing. It was just, yeah. ah, a kid. Oh, he missed him. Okay. It didn't necessarily like set the tone because I still enjoyed that scene. But I feel like that's just the way the movie went. Yeah. I Anything think... in it is just to make you go, oh, oh, okay. I, I, I think that maybe a reason why the kid could have been in that first scene is just to make it very clear that no one is safe in this world, this world yeah, that George Miller is setting up, that kids aren't safe, women aren't safe. I'm actually kind of, one thing I noticed this time around was, did you, did you notice how often animals share the scene in this movie? Like there are animals dogs. through dogs. There's like crows when goose is um when he gets it's, blown up yeah um i think they just cut pictures of like crows, crows like in there forth, yeah um there's like and then the same with a, a hawk after i think max kills somebody or something yeah and then there's like sheep and goats that you just hear in the yeah. background sometimes and then right. there's that scene of the um the biker gang the dude is like on his bike and he's he's revving that circle yeah and the dog Chasing is just barking dog, around yeah. um there's just i think well and then when she's in the woods First off, the first time the bikers see Jesse, they're making lots of different animal sounds. Barking, yes, yep. meowing, crowing, noises, yeah, yep. cow noises. And then when she's in the woods, the woods are full of animal noises. And then the like they kind of trance, they get intermingled with the These noises of, humans, you like hear, oh, you can tell that was yeah. a man. It, it, it is a 
an efficient way, I guess, when you don't have a lot of money of showing the barbaric nature of this world that it's basically re- you're, everyone's reduced to animals and it's all about survival. Yeah. Um, and you don't have a lot of money to really show that visually. So yeah. maybe you th- maybe you put a kid in the middle of the chase just just as a way of showing yeah. that like no one this kid's not safe. Like we and I you know that's a good point. And I know that the next scene was I'm pretty sure it was the next scene was Mel Gibson holding his son. Yeah. In well, it's in that whole and his family wife playing scene. the saxophone. Um, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I know. What was I know. that? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it feels good. After three days, I feel so. That was good. so weird. <laughs> I. There are things about this movie that make me ask, how seriously am I supposed to take this? Like her just playing saxophone while he holds his son. Yeah. The sound effects of the leather. Yes. How often it was just like... Oh, I think that's totally intentional. To be funny or what? It's like, it's going back to like gremlins again. Maybe you just don't get that sense of humor. It's just that there are certain little things that are... That could not have been... the, the, The sound of the leather. One of the scenes is when he goes and sees Goose's body. There was no way that they intended for there to be laughing up until he sees the hand. The sound effects in this movie overall are exaggerated. There's a scene where the guy shifts his head and it does a sound like a cartoon. There are roadrunner scenes where people's eyes pop out of their heads. I mean, I just think that that's sort of all part. Right. There are just, I think a lot, there's a lot in this movie that is supposed to sort of give you almost a cartoony feel to what you're seeing. I cannot believe that they meant... For you to laugh at the sound of his leather when he's walking up to Goose's body. No, I'm not saying that you were supposed to laugh at every single instance of this type of choice where it's exaggerated. I just think it lends an entire tone to the movie that is over the top. Oh, yeah. That is a bit... everything is over the top in this movie. (laughs) I'm not saying not to take it seriously, but it's not meant to reflect reality. I mean, it's, it's meant to sort of be this heightened movie reality of this post-apocalyptic world. And, mm. you know, it, it's got all sorts of choices in it that are just kind of like, and, and even like the maniacal laughing of the Knight Rider is kind of, you know, almost clownish, you know, yeah. like it's, it, the acting is over the top. Yep. That ice cream scene where he licks the ice cream is effective, but it is really but it's played like up. Creepy. I mean, it's really played it's up. Super you know? played up creepy. I, I think in that scene it worked. At least for me. Yeah. Because I got the effect. I got like the creepiness of it. If they had been intending for us to be laughing at any part of it, it wouldn't have, like, that would have been weird. I get what you're saying. And Brian May, as much as I love Brian May, that is Queen's Brian May, right? Who did the soundtrack? Was it? It's not a score. It's the score is, um, it's, it's not very good. No. (laughs) It's like a really, Kind of generic, cheesy movie score. Totally, like that just underlines everything and just sort yep, of like. Oh yeah, it 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 is. They they could have just used words on the screen, <laughs> like dramatic scene, sad scene. Like I felt like sometimes I was scene. I was watching an episode of the Super Friends. Like every time they oh, showed yeah. that Justice, uh, Hall, of Hall, Justice. Hall of Justice, and it had that like brass that bum bum bum. it's like that was in all those hanna-barbera like cartoons yeah like (laughs) and uh and the whole scene again maybe that's intentional maybe it's stuff on vacation yeah 
Okay, another thing that I thought, is that supposed to be a joke? When he comes from seeing Goose, I think it's from when he comes from seeing Goose, and he's like brooding and sad, and she comes out to him on the bench, and he's like, peanut butter and honey, and shows her a sandwich, <laughs> and then keeps eating it. There are a lot, of, a lot of things in this movie I don't know. I just don't know. Like That's what I'm saying. I just don't know. Like I don't know I, how I to interpret the whole vacation sequence, like of them on the road, when the supervisor, uh, what, Fifi? Fifi. He says, you know, get away from this for a while, take a break. The movie completely changes tone. It's like a family road movie then. It's yes. like a vacation. And he's trip. like doing, like yucking it up yeah. like, with his wife right. um, in the, almost like a montage kind of way. And like um, when, yeah, when he's like fixing the car and she's, and he's like, she's like, don't touch me with those hands. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to touch you. And uh, yeah, that really to me. And I remember this happening the first time I watched it. And I, and, and I was kind of sad to see that it happened again. The second time I watched it was those scenes, the ones that weren't the action. And that kind of actually take you away from the post-apocalyptic world, which like is the a vacation, large part of it. That's they the they kind of slow down the momentum of the movie. That they absolutely whole, like, do. When Miller tries his hand at suspense, which is in that woods scene, yeah, I thought it didn't work for me at all. And it, it didn't feel like you were in that world anymore. He, when you're on the straight roads of Melbourne, where it's desolate. Out in the open. Awesome. Yep. Great. And it's a perfect sort of just visual atmosphere of everything that you want in that action scene. Of this yeah. being barren wasteland. Something has happened. Humanity is not civilized anymore but then you go to that vacation scene and it's like oh you know like, maybe there is like there, the fact that you could even take a vacation right right <laughs> that's what i said i wrote down the question how dangerous is this world because it seems like in his job he would be more paranoid than anybody and at this strange car repair place his wife says we're gonna go get ice cream to a place you've never seen right and he's like yep and he just lets her go. Yeah, and then she goes and gets almost raped and attacked. And she comes back and she's like, get in the car. And he's like, well, what about the tire? And she's like, <laughs> just trust me, get yeah. in the car. And then they get in the car and they drive and they get to this place where everything's apparently cool. And then she's like, I'm going to walk to the beach, which is through these woods. And he's like, not a problem. Doesn't and then even there's... say like, be careful. Just like, yep. Then there's like this weird, almost like, deliverance hillbilly character that doesn't need to be there at all and doesn't add anything. He and, comes out of nowhere. Right. And then leaves. It's the same thing as the baby. Yeah. In that earlier scene. He's just there to make you go like, ah. And that, then yeah. it turns out he's fine. I he's will somebody totally, she knew. I will totally grant you that. Here's, that made no sense. Here's yeah. the movie's biggest problem in my mind. Okay. Is that here's George thesis. Miller. George Miller in this movie. I have not seen the other two Mad Max movies. I have not seen Happy Feet One or Two. <laughs> I haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, but in this movie, he has no idea how to orient the audience. Mm -hmm. Story wise, scene wise, spatially, mm -hmm. we have no idea where things are. We don't know how far this vacation spot is from his job. Like, it feels right. like they traveled for a really long time, but then, like, later that day, they're back at the hospital and he's back at work. And there's no, like, mm -hmm. that, in the, yeah, that's in the, totally, I mean, in and the and woods, even, we don't know where the beach is in relation to the woods, in relation to the house. We don't know how far she's going from him. We don't know how far she has to go in the woods. We don't know where people could possibly be coming from. We've never seen that hillbilly character before. Right. And then we have no idea why she's not scared once she runs into him and sees his face. Because we're still afraid of him, but then it turns out she knew him, but we had no idea. Right. And 
we don't know how dangerous this world is. We don't know the setup. We don't know like that there are pockets of civilization between long pretty much stretches of desolation. Right. We don't know what this situation is with the gas. We don't know who these gangs are. It's just like, oh, okay, I guess these people are dangerous right. because they're really crazy. Um and even that would be sufficient if that were even consistent, consistent I guess, yeah. because honestly, that it was what's, a constant threat. What's weird is correct me if I'm missing something here, but I felt like the movie started where the biker gang wanted to get Max because yes. of the Night Rider. Right. That kind of goes away, and then it becomes about the girl. Yes. And the, they don't even know the girl is with Max. Right. Right? I mean, no. am I as missing far as something? I know. Like, it's almost like this weird coincidence that happens yeah. where they're after Max and Goose because of Knight Rider. Uh-huh. They uh, get Goose. That makes sense. I get that. Yeah. So point taken. And then, like... And Goose doesn't give up on it, so they get Goose. Right. And then they go, and then that gets it's to Max. It's just random. It's and then just it's random. It's totally that they meet random that they meet his wife, and then that becomes the new motive. Like yeah. the new motive is we got to get this girl because she kicked me in the groin and get yeah. her. And then he happens mm-hmm. to be, and then they never even they seem to seem acknowledge that they're together. That, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so to me, that is the movie's biggest problem that it has. It's so purposeless. Like you said, the action sequences and then filler between. How can we get to another action yeah. sequence? To me, this is the fir- a first draft. Like, okay, those are some good ideas. We need to clean this up a lot. Uh-huh. And to me, the action is as impressive as it is for the time and the budget. It doesn't, it See, doesn't I was, carry it. I was actually going to ask you how much, and this is just a personal question for you about all movies, how much can action in itself carry a movie for you? It seems like not very much. For oh, you. very little. Yeah. 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 Because what I have a feeling is going to happen is a lot of our listeners are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to say, whoa, you are getting way too wrapped up in the details. Both of us. Yeah. Uh, and you're missing the whole point of what's great about this movie. I honestly, I think I'm not getting it. You're not getting it. I'd love to actually hear yeah. uh, from listeners. I'd love to hear kind of like the right way to interpret this because it's a big jump for me to say, um, I totally get that this movie does have some pretty big problems with it, but the action is great. I can say that, but then to put it in a camp as like, you know, one of the best movies of all time is a big stretch for me. 100%. You know what I mean? Because I can't, I don't think you can say a movie with this many problems right. can be considered, you know, one of the, even one of the best action movies. I can right. name a lot of other action movies that I like better. The action scenes are impressive, but they are just as directionless and disorienting and not on purpose as the rest of the movie. Like that initial scene. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like that though. No, I. Well, no. Here's let, what, what I are you saying? Explain. Yeah, the the Night Rider scene is effective, but I had it took me so long to figure out where these people are. Yeah, and like and who's who, and that like, and, and not in a way that I think is intelligent. Not in a way that like isn't just you know um, respecting the intelligence of the audience. It's like we got, we've got these two cops who don't seem great at their job. One guy's using a sniper scope to watch people have sex right. in the field. Yeah. And then they argue over who's going to drive. And they're just told they're chasing somebody. So they just drive. And then all of a sudden, it turns out they're on a parallel road. But they never show any sort of shot that indicates that. We just sort of have to pick it up based on the fact, like, there's no other way they could be looking at each other and talking on the radio mm-hmm. without their roads being parallel. So, okay, apparently their roads are parallel. Now I've figured that out. But their roads aren't parallel. They're converging because they're able to cut him off at the pass. Okay, I had no idea they could do that. 
Right. And also, why is Knight Rider's car radio tuned to their radio? And why can the cops hear him and vice versa? Like, why that is that? I couldn't all figure happening? out either. Yeah. And Except then, for later, it wasn't until like, I think and maybe then three scenes Max? later, you find out that they had hijacked a cop car. Yes. And that's why. You right. Know? And where's Max in all this? He's just sitting there calmly waiting, but we don't see, like, to me, for the action sequence to really build its suspense, the only thing impressive about it is its low budget car crashes yeah not the building of that action sequence the there, building I don't know of where max is i don't know what point they have to get to where max can get involved i don't know what max is waiting for is max i, I assume max is farther down the road are they going to pass him like all this stuff i have no idea and then in the climactic one where he's chasing toe cutter yeah he's really close to him and then he toe cutter gets hit by the semi and then max is on a side road he's behind able, yeah. the semi like where did that happen so I don't think I'm just being nitpicky because even the action sequences, which if that's what carries the movie, I, for, I, I those was are super flawed. I was I was swept up in it though. I mean, honestly, I, I wasn't like this. Isn't just me being like, hmm, what didn't I like about this movie? Let me rewatch these. I was thinking it the whole time, and I remember watching Bad Boys too, and people took a dump all over Michael Bay because there's a bridge car chase scene, and it's like really long scene. Mm-hmm. And he even oriented the audience, and that was part of his problem because we saw the bridge in its enti- its its entirety, and we're like, "There's no way they're still driving at these speeds on this bridge." But people were saying like he it was a poorly constructed action sequence, and people took a dump all over him because it was Michael Bay. But this is Mad Max, so we can't like point out the fact that these these are as impressive and as crashy and as real as real they are. As they that- are, they're not very well constructed. Well, I might okay. Uh, there is. At least in that opening scene, you get the moment of brilliance of the introduction of Max, which is actually, I think, yeah. really well done. It's a moment of brilliance on Miller's part that actually is in the action, but isn't full of action in itself. Just the, You can just tell by the way the camera shoots pieces of him, the aviator glasses, the shots from the back of the leather and everything, that this guy's a badass, you know? Yeah. That, like, that is a great introduction to this character, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, that I think has probably, I, I, I can't say, I don't know if it was the first time it's done that, but I feel like it's been copied a lot since yeah. then. It was a very influential way to sort of introduce your hero by piecing together the aspects of the hero without showing the full, you know, yeah. the full Max character. Um, and I guess that stuff just didn't bo- bother me as much. Um, the disorienting feeling of it, I, I see what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I think you're right about it. I guess I just didn't matter to me. Like it was, I, I don't still think disorienting was... is a great word for it because I think disorienting can be used well. I think it was unoriented. Was... I feel like I'm going to use this almost as just a, a cheap defense of the movie. But when I was able to watch this a second time and just understand it as cheap entertainment on a low budget, I think I was just able to relax a little bit more and just kind of roll with a lot of the things. Now, I'm not uh-huh. saying you're wrong about anything you're saying. I guess I'm just trying to explain why I had a better time watching it the second time around. And I think that a lot of people have a really good time watching this. There's got to be a reason for that. I hear, I'm not asking for the action sequences to be anything more than action sequences, but I'm asking for them to be well built. I mean, it's almost like heavy music. I enjoy heavy music, but I don't enjoy noise rock. Yeah. And it's essentially... The instruments are the same. They're doing the same things. But one band found a way in my mind, in my taste. To put it all together. To put it together, to build it, to craft it, to do something with it, rather than just have them all make noise at the same time. Yeah. 
okay, a car crash. Yeah, that was an awesome looking car crash. But that's not enough to make it an action sequence. That's a car crash. Yeah. You know? You could, like, nowadays, that's a great YouTube clip. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that crash right that's, there. That's a scene somebody uses to get a job making a movie. Like, yeah. hey, you made that look really real. That's great. We'll use that as part of this movie. Well, let's talk a little bit about, then, I think what what we have seen in movies that I know we both love is directors who obviously found something in this movie worth imitating in their own. I mean, one thing I realize right away is I'm thinking coen brothers as i'm watching this in uh in, in raising arizona the headhunter the leonard smalls character that's mm-hmm. totally toe cutter yeah and the shots of him on his bike are totally ripped off of george miller's street shots of yeah. mad max you know yeah i think it's an intentional throwback and i'm thinking even um there's certain scenes in no country for old men that reminded me of some of the townsfolk scenes in mad max um mm. which i think is an interesting choice in in this world the people who just own stores in these you know uh deteriorated towns that have been long abandoned mm-hmm. um they they are not as frightened of this biker gang as you would think they should be yeah they're just kind of passive about it almost that must be your friend over there I didn't leave much of him. Must have cut his heart out, eh? Yeah. That's what I meant. Poor bastard. The Knight Rider. That is his name. The Knight Rider. The Knight Rider. Remember him. When you look at the night sky. I will. And yeah. it almost reminded me of some of the scenes of like Anton Sugar with the gas station clerk with the coin flip. Yeah, yeah. That, like that to me almost had a Mad Max mm. feel to it um, of just pure evil not really affecting these people very yeah, much, you yeah. know. Um, though that was interesting, like the whole Coen Brothers thing that I saw. The fact that I never understood in Top Gun why Goose was Goose. And I'm yeah. realizing it's probably because Goose is the last name of the character yeah. in Mad Max. Yeah. You know, um, Terminator, all the leather and the motorcycle. I mean, totally so much Mad leather. Max. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, the Fast and Furious movies owe everything oh, yeah, to Mad like, Max. Yeah. Um, a more direct line to with Tarantino would be Death Proof, but I think Tarantino all throughout mm-hmm. a lot of his filmography is using a lot of George Miller's sort of tone and it's it's that b movie sensibility i don't know how to really describe it but it's what i'm talking about where and there are people who we would consider real auteurs of cinema mm-hmm. who have taken pieces of this and incorporated it into these movies that pretty much everyone heralds as masterpieces at this point yeah I, mean, I, I think i need to do some reading i mean i know that i am not some like <laughs> you know like new eye that's like wait a minute the emperor has no clothes <laughs> right. like I uh, no, you're, you know what, though? I feel like we're going to get a lot of flack because neither one of us has seen any of the other Mad Max movies because my understanding is that they got a lot better. That Road, okay. that road okay. Warrior by That's far. Fine. Yeah, I know. We can, we're can. we discussing this Let movie. Let Road Warrior be good. But you look at a lot of the critics who are now going back and rewatching Mad Max, and they're even saying the first Mad Max isn't that great. Oh, okay. That I think I saw Josh Larson gave it one and a half stars. Um I was just looking on Letterboxd and like um, A.A. Dowd, 
you know, from AV Club, he gave it like three, like we are, yeah. you know, and the, but both of them are saying that this is really just the, the kernel of, of what was to come. And it was really realized when he had a bigger budget in the Road Warrior. And to a certain degree mixed, but some people really love Beyond Thunderdome and others think it's maybe the worst of the three. That's kind oh of a gosh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'd be fine seeing Road Warrior. Yeah. If it gets better, that's fine. I, and good job for Road Warrior being better. I, We're talking about Mad I Max. Yeah. Seen it. yeah, and I feel like Mad Max, for all, if, if, it's, if Mad Max is going to be named among the best movies of all time, you either need to say Mad Max and Mad Max Road Warrior combined make the best movie one of the best movies right. of all time but i i can't see this movie getting anywhere near any lists yeah whatever whatever its influence and i understand its influence and at the time but it I may feel like have the, been a new thing that's fine like that's i think the influence thing. is really more or less that this came out when those directors we love were coming of age yeah and that this was a movie that hit them at that teenage like boy high school i mean yeah. imagine watching this as like a eighth grader or a freshman in high school it's probably awesome. An eighth grader freshman in 1979 or whenever? Yeah. I mean, I'll say 1979 because now, I mean, if you're watching a car chase movie or a road movie, so many of the shots and the way they're yeah. put together is going to be based off Mad Max. But imagine seeing something like this when you're just in that sort of early yeah. stages of puberty, you know, full of testosterone watching this you know, movie that's pretty gritty and edgy for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. just thinking it's really cool. That's going to trickle into what you eventually do in movies yeah. if you go on to make movies. You yeah. Know? And I, I will uh, say for the movie that even though it maybe from my from my perspective didn't let the audience in enough on its world, it knows its world. And it, it just kind of drops you in the middle of it, which can be fine. I don't think it did enough to bring us into it. Mm-hmm. But you definitely get the sense that they had a vision and they had an idea and they went with it and they yeah. didn't compromise. It. Yeah, and that that confidence and that like swagger is, swagger is a good word for it. I think is there's a lot of very evident. Yeah, and it's and it is appealing about the movie. You 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 were drawn in by that, like mm-hmm. you were saying, Matt. The the opening scene when we see Max, that's just the mic drop. Yes, it Early is. Yeah. Is like here's <laughs> here's the guy. Here's the leather. Yeah. Here's the sunglasses. Uh-huh. Here's his car. Here's him not being phased by what is, you know, frazzling the other people, right. the other police. Right. Were you though? Were you surprised as much as I was by when you really look at it, how little Mel Gibson actually does in this movie? He yes, and he how long it takes him for to really show off what he can do. Like he has that first scene, and then he's like, I think I'm gonna quit. And then they're like, no, don't. And he's like, well, okay. But Goose gets burned. He's like, now I'm really going to quit. Yeah. And then go on a vacation. And he's like, yeah, like you said, he's just kind of yucking it up. And then his wife's in the hospital. And he goes oh. to the beach with the mask. <laughs> I'm yes. just going to go take this mask down to the beach. The grumpy mask. Yeah. Which didn't work. Like that was a, that was a moment where he didn't, he didn't connect with her. Yeah. Like, is that what he's remembering? He's like, oh, I failed her in this moment. It, it I don't get the like- mask. And I also feel like I was looking at it, like he was looking at this mask and I'm like, okay, is that going to come up in the climax somehow? Like, is he going to use it to like, it never fight? shows up again. Never There's again. A few, right. Yeah. Of course. Because that's what this movie does. <laughs> this movie's just like, we need a reason for him to be sad now. He's like, oh, he's remembering the mask thing. Like, oh, sure. Now we need, now we need a reason 
for Toe Cutter to realize that Max is is married to her. I uh, a picture of Max's wife falls out of his helmet. <laughs> yes. So Max, what planted those? Apparently. There? So he knew. So he's so he knew who yeah. was coming for him. That's just dumb shit. Like that's so stupid to me. I, it, it bugs me so much, <laughs> it and is, I, it's it not. Is. I know. I, Speaking uh, of shit, though, I just feel like George Miller doesn't give two shits about any of that stuff. Like honestly, he should though. He should. I'll grant you that, but he just doesn't. You know, you got to kind of take it or leave it with this movie. I, you're leaving it. I'm fine with a movie being just fun. Yeah, I am. What? Okay, as so seriously, as I'm saying, to that. prove your point. What's a movie that you consider just fun that you just love? Well, Scott take, Pilgrim versus the World, uh, which I didn't like. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that's to me that's a smart movie. That's a movie that was so intentional, what and if, maybe it's not. Maybe it's too intentional for you may, that you don't have fun with it. That it's so it's so worked over that you don't have fun with Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, I guess I kind of like uh, if if I'm going into a movie that is intentionally in its promotion in everything that you've read up on it and everything that you know going into it is just supposed to be a fun movie i guess i just don't want to feel like i'm trying to figure out how hard the director thought through the movie to get it to that level of fun well, like again, i just want it again to be... a movie that we disagree on avengers yeah and i remember you saying about avengers is that you thought the action sequences are boring because it was just stuff crashing into each other but mm -hmm. those are well built action sequences we know where people are we know where people are headed they are don't make that face they are they they have so much more purpose than the action sequences in mad max and they were like i said in that episode they built the characters they were true to the characters the way they fought what they were fighting for who what part of the fight they were drawn to was all part of who they were yeah i mean i but it didn't I'll, belabor it i i, I don't sure, get I mean, why that movie is why that movie and, and scott pilgrim two movies that like i think are fun and have good action but also have like incredible um, intelligence about what they're doing. I I don't understand still, even not to bring up old yeah, fights. Why we... <laughs> but I, like to me, I just do not understand. You can turn off your brain and say like, well, this is fun. It's not just supposed to be dumb. And then a movie that like is fun and you can turn your brain off if you want and just enjoy it. Or you can engage your brain and still have something to like enjoy about it. You like... I don't know. Those those scenes, those action scenes in the Avengers never hit me at a visceral level the way the car scenes do in Mad Max. Now, you could be right that the scenes are more purposeful in the Avengers, that they have more plot that they're advancing in those scenes. There's more going on. In a sense, that means you really can't tune it out as much as you can in Mad Max um, because you do need to pay attention so much to what is going on. I mean, not going on as far as like the action but you actually need to figure out where the story's going within yeah. the action whereas with mad max i almost feel like there's so little story and i don't want to spend a lot of time talking about an older episode but so much of the problem i have with just those action scenes of stuff smashing into sp stuff nowadays it's all fake and this what i get out of it and you can tell i feel like you really can tell at a very primal almost like you can tell that this is real cars smashing into real things and there's something thrilling about that to me there's a scene where a dude on a bike gets hit in the head with another, with another bike, bike and yeah. he actually got hit in the head with another bike I know. like that's crazy I, yeah. you know <laughs> i know and that's like you said that's a really cool youtube clip that i feel like mad max is a leather fetish movie built around youtube clips 
that's your uh, that should be on the box. It should the be on the box. Yeah, the, the for Ryan some Eberle reason, I, I, that that actually probably would be a draw to some people. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I I came in here with a non-aggressive two and a half, and it's turned into an aggressive two and a half. And in both cases, I watched the movie with an open mind, and I came into this discussion hoping that you could enlighten me. But I I just don't feel like you have. I I kind of feel like. We have, and we don't have the time here to get really into it, but we have very different ideas of what fun means in a movie. <laughs> uh, when it comes to action. I guess so. I guess so. I guess so. And also, an I also action? feel like you have a knee-jerk reaction against... No. Wait. <laughs> I, that I do not have a knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's just something that doesn't appeal to you, but... I have a soft spot, I'll call it that, for the movies that either whether it's in a referential way or whether it's a full embrace of, I just like the movies that that just have that sort of low-grade quality to them. I'm not saying so bad it's good. I'm just saying that there's something about that that maybe it comes back to a nostalgia thing. It just reminds me of like maybe like Thundercats tar- cartoons that I watched as a kid. or I don't know what it is. I just feel like... This has come up again when we talked about Gremlins. It came up when we talked about Death Proof. It come it came up when we talked about this movie too. That these are movies that I enjoy and I like that kind of cheesy flair to them. Like I like that, and it's I think it's a style thing. It comes in in music too. Like I love the theatrics of something like Nick Cave or Iggy Pop or you know I just love that sort of where that's put on you. Like you understand that that it, there's intention behind what they're doing, and I'm just along for the ride. I think it's a lot of fun. And you don't seem to like that. I think that's no. fine. I yeah. I, I just genuinely don't see the appeal. I don't know. I don't. I don't get the appeal of camp at all. Yeah. See, and I love it. I love that. What stuff. do you What do you love about it? It's. I don't know if I can explain it. I mean, it's just that I find some of it humorous, but not in like a laugh out loud kind of way. It's a way that just sort of is a lot of fun. Like it. It sort of hits this nerve in me that reminds me of just why I like watching the movies, and that sometimes it has that feeling of like a group of people who just wanted to make a fun movie and didn't have a lot of money and didn't really have good actors and just put it together and in there did something interesting with it you know yeah i, I mean i'm fine with that i i, I challenge the idea that the only re- that the the core of why you watch movies is can't be fun no i just you, said it strikes you, a nerve that's all i but mean you said it reminds me of why i watch movies and I don't think that that's entirely true. But as a kid, that was entirely true. That's what I mean. Like, it's a nostalgia thing, mm. I think. Like, as a kid, the reason I watched movies was not to break them apart and contextualize them and look <laughs> at them within the history of film. And, you know, and that's where the thinking comes in. And don't get me wrong. We've had plenty of episodes where I've talked about how much I love these movies that do that well, you know. But there's another part of me that loves the thinking man's movie. And there's another part of me that just loves the cheap, crap you know and i don't know how to explain it other than when it's done well i know it's done well and i love it you know Hmm. now like i said i didn't love this movie like i didn't think it was that great like i gave it three stars you know yeah (laughs) but there were scenes in it that i was just enthralled with you know that i just thought were amazing and were had me so much more engrossed than any of the action scenes in the avengers even though they were so much bigger you make me feel like I I can't enjoy I I don't enjoy things like that I I know that you not you aren't saying that but that's how I'm hearing like I'm it's making me well, wonder I don't want like, you to hear it that what way. if I yeah. ever like 
because I think about like the bad stuff I watched, mm-hmm. like the stuff that I really enjoyed, Mighty Ducks 2. Yeah. I would never see a movie that reminded me of Mighty Ducks 2 now and think, oh, that's a great movie. It reminds me of Mighty Ducks 2. It would just make me think of how crappy Mighty Ducks 2 was. Right. And not, I think I'm, I, I think I'm mature enough that I don't uh, like, I don't feel shame for liking it back when I did, but there is no part of me that connects to it and says, oh, that makes me feel the way I felt when I was a kid watching it. It makes me think I liked a lot of shit when I was a kid and that was fine because I was a kid. So it's, it's, I, I just have, I don't know how you can do that, how you can associate that nebulous feeling to right now. There are was a certain way that I watched movies as a kid that changed after I took a film class, you know? Mm. And to be honest, I think maybe some of it comes down to the fact that I got to watch a lot more as a kid than you did. So I watched Rambo as a kid. I watched (laughs) Top Gun as a kid. I watched a lot of these action movies as a kid. Now I'm not saying that I don't see the weaknesses in Mad Max. I mean, Again, I didn't love this movie, (laughs) but there is the pieces of it that just take me back to what I loved about sitting with my dad and watching Rambo and my dad being the kind of movie watcher that that was enough for him, like that he could just watch Rambo. It had some awesome explosions. Rambo was kick ass. He was an awesome hero, didn't take no shit from no one and had a had a code of his own and didn't care about the consequences. And that that was enough as a kid to just love this movie. Now, I do expect more from movies nowadays. I mean, that's actually what I said about Mad Max is that as a genre film, it's a genre film, warts and all. And I expect more at this point, you know, but it certainly does have aspects of it that hit me in a way that's just very, in a strange way, innocent. Yeah. And I shouldn't get hung up on this, but part of me, there's a bunch, there's a lot of stuff going on inside me. Like, am I missing something? Am I am I so caught up in my own problems with the movie that I can't see what's great about it? There is not any way that everybody at the New York Times, all these filmmakers, maybe the filmmakers, but like at the New York Times, these people who've put this on the best movies list are just tapping into a youthful nostalgia and and carrying that no. through if to you putting want- it among the best movies ever made. I think it's there on those lists for influence alone. Okay. Honestly, I think if you want to talk about that, that's all it is. This is a influential action movie. <laughs> and again, not a whole lot more, not a whole lot less. This conversation's you know? got, this happens. This is our friendship. It's weird where we'll like argue from opposite ends and I'll get to the point where you need to pull me back and like comfort me. So like we're doing, we do this <laughs> no, like I do weird, yeah. we do this weird thing where it's like, no, 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 no. And then you just hug me. And then, like, <laughs> it's going to be okay, right? It's going to be okay. Uh, we've, I think we've probably talked enough about, uh, oh, man, Mad Max. Although um, I'm, yeah, my, my emotional, uh, arc has made its, uh, way back to normal. We've, I've, I, we've I, leveled I started, out a little bit. I started, oh man, it would be pretty funny to just hear like a second clip, a second long clip from various parts where at the beginning I'm like, I'm actually excited <laughs> to hear what you have to say. And then like the peak I can't part believe where I'm that like, you would ever- this shit. <laughs> and then now where I'm like, I'm just like in a we're puddle spent. of sweat. We're, yeah. we're a little spent. Yeah. So why don't we talk about, uh, after our discussion, our 
very lively discussion. I get a feeling your your star rating is not going to change nope. much. You're keeping this at two and a half stars. Yep. I think I'm going to keep this at about a three, but let's talk about our relationship here. How are we doing, Ryan? I mean, are we uh, best buds? Do we have a mutual understanding or is it pretty complicated right now? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to say it's complicated. Oh, wow. I'm I was willing to go mutual understanding. I was, I was oh, thinking oh. about it because of the moment where you pulled me off the ledge. Okay. <laughs> and that's good that that happened. But I don't think we understand each other any better. I think, here's what I'm going to say. I think if we're talking about Mad Max, just the movie, Mm -hmm. we probably have a mutual understanding in a sense where like neither one of us thinks this is, this movie's all that great. Right. Um, But the reasons for that, it's pretty complicated, I think. Like we need to somehow dig in. Maybe this is uh, bonus material. Maybe this is off mic. We need to have a few more words about... uh, how we feel about movies as entertainment even. I mean, really big topics, but yeah. why don't we go ahead and we'll leave it as it's complicated, but we can shake on it. Okay. Yep. It's going it, to be okay. Compli- yeah. Yeah. And okay. I, I am confident that we're, we'll, we'll come around again to being best buds. But yeah, right now, this too. is where we're going to have to leave it. Yep. Now that you've heard what we have to say about Mad Max. <laughs> what we've uh, had to yell at each other about, about it. <laughs> Let's get some listener feedback on Mad Max because um, I know that we've got listeners who either adore this movie or maybe you're like us and you just don't really know what all the the hype is about. But we'd love to hear either way. Um, Let us know on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Let us know on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, You can always email us feedback at canwestillbefriends.net or just go to our website canwestillbefriends.net and uh, comment on the episode itself when we get it posted. Um, You can also give us a a phone call and leave us a voicemail. The number is 847-306-9532. We would love to hear from you. So for our next episode, we are doing another one that I should have seen a long time ago. Yeah, you're making it sound like I see all these movies that you don't see, but in reality, I think you've seen way more movies than I have. I think this is just the true. But the 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 ones that everybody just assumes you've seen, I typically haven't seen. I just didn't watch them when I was a kid. Okay. Um, so it's the 35th anniversary of the Blues Brothers, mm-hmm. and I heard the gasp <laughs> that you had not from seen our listeners the Blues Brothers <laughs> that I haven't seen the Blues Brothers. And I'm sorry, it's not. I, there's no reason for it. I feel like just nobody, nobody like it should be a movies. box that you tick off when you get a driver's license in <laughs> Illinois in the Chicago yeah. area. I Have didn't you get seen my license Brothers in Illinois yet. until I was, I was an adult. I grew up in Wisconsin. All um, right. So I haven't seen Blues Maybe Brothers. Maybe that's your excuse. It's, uh, it's, it's a lame one, but we'll take it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I don't have an excuse. I don't have a reason. I don't have. It. I I haven't been avoiding it. I just haven't seen. Yeah. It. Well, in in all fairness, it's been years since I've seen it, so I am excited to rewatch it. Honestly, I feel like it's more like if it's such a problem, my friends should have been better friends and made me watch it. Oh, we're gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The tables have turned. All right, so, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna watch uh, Blues Brothers, yeah, uh, the classic comedy. And um, from what I hear, from what you hear, we'll see if yeah. you actually do think it deserves to be a classic because <laughs> we've already destroyed one oh, this evening. Gosh. <laughs> so, anyways, please watch Blues Brothers with us. We'd yeah. love to uh, have you maybe beforehand uh, give us some of your best Blues Brothers memories or yeah. your favorite lines. Um, either way, it's always great if you guys watch it with us. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I am excited to, to see it. Uh, I feel like I say that a lot. And also, uh, before we get going, I just also wanted to suggest to you, if you do enjoy listening to this podcast that we do, um, you are getting it for free. I just want to say that. We're not asking for money. No, no. But what I am asking for is uh, if if you do so feel it in your heart to show some type of gratitude, we always would appreciate a good rating on iTunes mm-hmm. or any whatever podcast uh, platform you tend to get your podcast from. If you could yeah. just give us a good word or good rating and just let people know about what we do and, and maybe encourage people to tune in. Yeah, we really appreciate you listening, even if you don't rate us, though. We do. <laughs> yes, we'll take it. Yep. We'll take it. Yep. With that said, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.